Well, hey, everybody, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montone. I am so psyched about today's show because I've got a returning guest, you know, the one and only Mr. Jim Belushi. He's going to be back here with us today talking about his upcoming new season of his brand new of his show and talking about a new partnership he has. And the partnership he has is with a, a gentleman who's a lifelong, turned a lifelong passion for growing cannabis into a career back in 2004 when he and his wife opened their first hydroponics retail shop store. And he's here today to give some tips on how to grow your own cannabis. And today he is the vice president of Grow Generation Management Corp, the nation's largest chain of specialty hydroponic and organic garden centers. Grow Gen recently partnered and announced a partnership with Mr. Jim Belushi and of uh, Jim Belushi, Belushi Farms to outfit their newest greenhouse. Jeremy Correo, Thank you so much for being here, along with the one and only Mr. Jim Bellucci. Thanks, guys, for being a part of Let's Be Blunt today. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Uh, nice to be here. Absolutely. Jim, I mean, you know, how have you been doing, my brother, since the last time I saw you? Well, uh, the last time I, 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 I saw you, uh, I've been doing good. It's been a, a turbulent year for everybody. I know, you know because of what this year has been about. And, and you know, I didn't escape any of that turbulence. Uh, it's been turbulent on the farm. It's been turbulent on my life. Uh, and it's been turbulent with, with the big changes that are going on all around us. So, all like around us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's almost farm. crazy. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's almost crazy how it's like, you know, the world has stopped flipped the page and created a brand new chapter that I think everybody's going to have to start getting used to. You're coming back with season two of Growing Belushi. Is that not right? Congratulations. Yay! We're very excited about it. We, we've shot almost all, but we got about four more days to do some pickups, you know, to, just to make some segues work. Uh, but yeah, we just finished on the farm and the show is, you know, it's it's you know, it's about three, four levels going on. And I mean, first it's growing cannabis. Uh second, it's it's what it does to everybody on the farm. And third, it's like, you know, what it does to me as a man, because I've kind of grown as a man along with the understanding and the depth that this plant has taken me through emotionally. Um, and I guess and are, are so, you featuring Oh sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Now, to say, are you featuring what Jeremy has done to help you build out your new? Uh, well, that, uh, Jeremy, Grow Generation, uh, actually gave me the spine and the backbone for this season of Growing Belushi because when Jeremy came to my farm, uh, he basically said, "No, no, no, get rid of that, <laughs> get rid of that, no, no." some interior designer that's trying to change my house to like put a commission on this or something what, what are you doing? <laughs> wow he was Jim, right at aphids i had rustic mites i had uh, my environment was not in great control uh the the greenhouses i did have were, were too short the plants are growing too big the the moisture on the top of the ceiling was dropping i lost 300 pounds of mold to mold last year and Jeremy is so astute on, on what a grow needs, contains, and what will be, uh, you know, the ultimate grow. He basically took this farm and 
made it the probably the best grow in Southern Oregon as far as an interior quality greenhouse grow. So yes, Jeremy came in and we've got technically we we've grown two brand new grow tech greenhouses with environmental controls with with um, a total control but total total grow control brain that will control our you know fosh lights which is we went to from uh, regular gavita lights to um led lights which brings the heat down in the room and a 30 percent more penetration into the plant which stimulates 30 percent more yield i mean there's a, i mean i can go on and on i mean the looms you know these plants like 1100 looms and that's uh, that's rays of light and when a cloud comes those looms go down about 750 this brain this total grow control brain senses it brings the lights up to bring those looms back up to 1100 and then it, it, it's consistent it's clean it's a controlled environment i'm so excited about this grow this year i can't even tell you anyway growing belushi is about the main storyline is about this transition on the farm so, because i want the audience to understand it look the real word is confidence in cannabis and i don't think the audience the new consumer really has any confidence around what a dispensary looks like should i go into a dispensary is this clean well we show every moment from the clone to the sale all the pesticides we use are all natural everything's clean they see the handwork they will have confidence in what they're going to ingest consume is clean high quality and cared for and with the grow generation and what they've given us we have that kind of control to make it the highest quality and the cleanest and safest cannabis so yes jeremy he's sitting right next to me and i'm not letting him talk but he's the brains behind the whole thing well you know jeremy i'm gonna get you in in one second but i think we got to do for a, for just a quick second jim let's back up a little bit because right. a lot of people a lot of people you know they know you from your incredible career you know as a entertainer and a talent i mean there's no question you know uh you hit the pinnacle of that genre of employment but now all of a sudden jim belushi cannabis give people an idea of number one why you started when you started and what was your goal when you first decided to go ahead and jump two feet into this industry well i thought it was two feet uh, it, it, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm talking about two feet, 20 <laughs> and, you know, I wanted to, you know, six yards. I don't know. You know, I'm just, you know, I just explore things and heighten, you know, like what we do in improvisation, you explore an idea and you heighten it. And uh, I've been that in my life and on stage and, I don't know what I was doing. I bought this beautiful property in Oregon because it felt like a spiritual vortex in the world for me. And I felt very good there. My heart, my soul, things calmed down. The farm came up for sale behind me and I bought it 80 acres. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to grow cattle or corn and, and cannabis became illegal. And I thought new agriculture, it's the new agriculture for Oregon. They go pears, grapes, 
cannabis. All right, let's try it. So I put my one foot in and got sucked into <laughs> Got sucked in that vortex. You, sucked, you, you got sucked in following, you know, your heart. And your heart was all about making sure that you could produce a really efficacious, respected plant that would actually, you know, set a standard for the state well, of you know, I didn't out. know that. I, at that point, it was like the gold rush. And I'm like, yeah, sounds good. And, you know, these girls I referred to as the plants because they're feminine plants, you know, they straighten your ass out like a kindergarten teacher, you know, and they slap you until you learn what's really going on. So this was a real education for me about the spiritual and the medical values of this plant. So I've been the last five, six years, I'm like, I don't know, I, I consider growing Belushi my master's thesis or something, because I've learned so much about how it changes people's worlds, their families, their bodies, their, it's not just about the money. It's not just about getting high. This is a world of, uh, of healing. And look, I need a lot of healing. And these <laughs> plants, really these plants have brought me a long way. Just by being next to them and growing. The world needs a lot of healing right now. Well, Jeremy, what, what brought you to, well, first off, how did the two of you find each other? And, and how did you, when did you say, yeah, I think I'll come up and help you out. When did this happen? Yeah, we kind of met through a mutual friend through um, one of the other facilities, um, flew out there. Um, we had a couple meetings in the beginning, kind of put some things together, seeing if it was going to work, flew out to see Jim and, uh, that's that's how it started. I think I think we hit it off from from the beginning. And let's back up a little yeah, bit. And get a bunch ahead, of bull. That is a bunch of bull. <laughs> he walked that farm, and that bald little head of his was like, what what? what? That's, nothing, that's what? how we hit it off. Well, you know. Gotcha. Jim's not used to people telling him like, hey. You got to do it this way. You got a couple things off here, so we better straighten them out, huh? Yeah. Back up a little bit, Jeremy. Give people a, a little sense of your history. Now, you and your wife started your company years ago, but you know, have you always been an aficionado of cannabis, or were you a farmer? I have, yeah. From honestly, from a from a teenager, you know, growing plants outside, going all the way till when um, the medicinal, you know, world started to hit. Um, and I've had my medicinal card, you know, from the very beginning. Um, I live on the East Coast, so I live in Connecticut. Um, I did a lot of lobbying in Connecticut to make sure your laws got passed. So just so you know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, um, back in the day, back a long time ago. Yeah. So surprising, right? With everything that just passed now. I mean, you couldn't even you couldn't even think that that was going to pass. So, so. no, I, I, I think I, I testified before the Connecticut legislature, I think in 2001, you know what I mean? That's how long ago I was literally trying to see if I can convince them to move, you know, initiative forward. So I'm glad that at least you've gotten where you got to now and you know, you're moving forward, but you grew up in Connecticut. I grew up in New York. I had a house and I had a house in Greenwich for quite a while. And then I moved yep. into Manhattan. Um, but I, uh, you know, I remember back in the day, uh, most of the, the, Cannabis I consumed came in from New Hampshire or from Boston. Didn't come in from 
Connecticut. So you're surprised that Connecticut's moved the way they have, are you not? I'm very surprised. I mean, I and and how quickly, right? When they released the bill, and then all of a sudden, you know, what was it? Three weeks, four weeks later, and it's like, okay, yep, it's done. Well, I had to. I mean, you know, when you take a look at New York State passing, New Jersey passing, what New Jersey has done, you know, everybody around you is doing their thing. Massachusetts passed, you know, Connecticut was going to get left out. So they wanted to get their chunk. And I think that's what we're starting to see now nationally. Everybody wants to sort of figure out how they can get their chunk of those federal tax dollars, which may not necessarily be the greatest motivation. But at least it's moving. Well, I think it's I think it's great motivation for the states, right? Because it gives us what we want in the end, right? So the the byproduct of of their greed is our um is our successfulness later on. Yeah, but let's just hope that they they we get some sensibility in this level of greed that's coming out of the state yeah. legislators. I mean, these guys are taxing to the point of of stupidity. You want to say something, Jim? Go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. I'm over here commenting, like, yeah, yeah. I mean. They- <laughs> California, they're they the sensibility. They're just really hurting the market. I mean, there are some great models out there in Colorado and Oregon on how to set up these legislation, how to set up the laws to make things work, and they just want to do it themselves in their own way. And it's well, but it'll all get straightened out. It'll all get straightened out. I I hope it will, and, and I don't see it happening in the near future, but I think within the next five to 10 years, we're going to see some things finally come together. When people start to realize, you know, that we are nothing more right now than the Wright brothers pushing those wooden planes down a hill. This industry has not even has not even grown beyond that yet. You know, we have so much growth uh, uh, in front of us. And if we stop being so short-sighted, I mean, it's like, you know, even as an industry, I think the industry itself is very, very short-sighted. You were talking earlier about, you know, the beauty of what you're doing in, you know, your show, Growing Belushi, and letting people see the plant from, you know, A to Z, which is really, to me, about education. Yeah. Not only educating other growers and other providers, but trying to educate who is going to be the most important part of this entire equation is the consumer. You know, I mean, from my standpoint, I think, you know, we as an industry in the last, even right now, even when, you know, states have recognized that cannabis is a vital resource and during COVID didn't shut us down. We should have taken advantage of that opportunity to go right at the consumer and say the reason why we are recognized as such an important aspect of our society is because even the government recognizes how important cannabis is to our lives. But we didn't do that. We spent more time trying to figure out how we can make this deal, that deal, that deal, that deal, that deal, going B to B and not recognizing that without a C, B to B don't exist. Right, 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 right. That's why I applaud what you're doing, my brother, you know, by letting people into pulling the third wall back. Well, you know, not only at the plant, but taking a look at the heart of the person who's delivering the product. You know, I mean, the, the, the idea about growing Belushi that, that I think grow generation really like or advanced nutrients or the, a lot of the people that are involved in the show is that we're reaching the the new consumer. We're reaching the curious. I mean, honest to God, there's this 37-year-old girl I was talking to, consumer all her life, right? And I said, well, you should go to the dispensary. She goes, oh, no, I've never been in a dispensary. I go, wait, well, you're very nice woman you're smart you're a consumer like you've never been in this dispensary 
No, I'm nervous about going to the dispensary. So there's a whole section of the show where I literally, this is what a dispensary looks like. It looks like an Apple store. Look at these pretty people that are the bud tenders. They're like pharmacists. They're not, but they understand the plant. You come in, you say, I have this ailment, this shoulder, this knee. I can't sleep. They'll direct you into what products to use. It's all safe. It's all the most important thing. Tested, tested, tested. There's no crap in it. It's packaged well. Please go into dispensary. Quit buying it from the guy in the street. You don't know if it's been tested. It's keeping the illegal market flourishing. It's keeping crime flourishing. So the show, I'm fortunate because I had, you know, according to Jim, and there's a lot of, you know, red, blue states, whoever watch that show, they may come in and they have come in and seen the show. So I'm trying to lead the new consumer confidence. Because, you, you know, we all. Oh, no, I'm agreeing with you because I've got to tell you, I think not only will you help to attract the new consumer, but you're actually cutting your way into the biggest demographic in America that should be consumers, and that's the baby boomers of our society. They're afraid. Oh, wait a minute. But they, they, forgot, was, they forgot that they were smoking that joint under the bleachers, you know, 25 years ago. And it's their friends who are now the legislators who are passing the laws. Yes. What we need to do is spend more time directly at them. I'm living down here in Florida. Come on, this is baby boomer capital of America. But how much, how many of the dispensaries, how many of the providers down here are going out to educate in some of these communities that are baby boomer-centric communities. Well, They're going out, and they need to get out there and do this. I am I'm at, literally last night, I'm at a, a family-ish reunion, cousins and all that. And, you know, they're they're like in their 60s and stuff, and they're all, Jimmy, so um, I have trouble sleeping. Is this something... Uh, Does that not show you right there straight up that we need to do a concerted effort to educate the masses? Well, the the attack I'm taking on it is what I call edutainment. Yes. It's comedy. It's funny. My cousin Chris is hysterical. Jeremy is actually pretty funny in it from time to time. And I'm kind of the the guy who leads the through the humor and the education. So it's editing-wise, it's really mm, weaving, you know, trying to keep the comedy and keep me entertained just Absolutely. so I can the confidence of the cannabis, you know. So that's the purpose. And it's very funny. I mean, it's a very funny show. We do some funny things in it. That's the blend that we need to have. And Jeremy, with you, brother, how, how, when, when, when did you decide you decided to open up your first hydroponic shop? What in two thousand four? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, but you we got started it in eight. In eight, yeah. And, and, and what what uh, brought you to the hydroponics? Um, I think I was always working with people at that time. I was I started doing some commercial builds. Um, I had a lot of my own grows up at that time growing for patients. And, um, it just seemed like the direction I wanted to go at that time. So 
Um, did you ever did you ever face any pushback from you know local, state, or federal law enforcement about what you were doing? You know, a little bit, um, but I think everything was pretty clean. It was put together really well. Um, they had nothing to really fight us on going into it. And, um, you know, at that time you had to be very careful, you know, we, we weren't growing cannabis, we were growing tomatoes. Right. So, um, in the store for a very long time, you know, you were never growing cannabis. You were growing big beef steak tomatoes. Right. And you just, how, how big could you get these beef steak tomatoes? Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we, we had a couple, a couple times where um, law enforcement came in and, and tried to trick us, but you know, it's like, we just taught them how to grow really big beefsteak tomatoes. There you go. And there's nothing they can say about that either. No. So, you know, for the person, you know, a lot of the states that have passed laws recently have, have allowed for individual grow opportunities for people to grow some at home, but most people you know, they, they, they might try it, especially the baby boomer generation. They're not, you know, ready to step up and start potting plants. Sorry. <laughs> start growing plants themselves. So for those, those who might think that it's too daunting, what do you say to them, Jeremy? There is a way for you to do this yourself if you want to grow your own medication. Yeah. You know, I think when people get into growing, they think it's, it's so technical and they, they just get lost in um, everything that's out there. You know, you have a million vendors and a million nutrients and all these different things. And if you just kind of simplify it, um, I think you can, you can really find a system that works well for everybody. Um, he actually, you know, one of the things in the show is Chris, my cousin, you know, we go back and forth in the show. It's kind of the odd couple funny thing. And, you know, he's like, gets a little, oh yeah, I know, man. I I, I know cannabis. <laughs> I go, you don't know shit. I said, you know how to make lists and then list too much coffee and smoke too many cigarettes. He goes, no, I know. I go, okay, well, you know, what? what's the temperature of the soil? for the best way for the nutrients to get into the roots. He goes, around 64 degrees. I want, all right, I'm going to challenge you. You and I are going to grow two plants each, and we'll see who comes up with the best. That gave us a framework, Montel, to go into one of Jeremy's stores to actually expose what is in the store. And we go through, and we have the shopping spree of what to get. All right. Very funny because I show up at the counter with the exact amount of nutrients, a perfect indoor tent, the right LED light. I have a package that's about $1,000 that you can grow six plants in. Chris shows up with $15,000. <laughs> Jim's paying for it, of course. And, no, and he put on my credit card. I went, what are you doing? That's insane. But you could walk. I mean, Jeremy, you could walk someone through basically how to how to and and they watch your show, so they could literally watch along with you, like this whole house and this whole plant. Yeah. How to do this, right? Yeah, it's a it's a great package. Each other, we set up two tents next to each other, and we through the comedy of us competing and arguing, we actually show how to do it in your own garage with a tent, you know? So we show the nutrients, 
we show that you know the 21 days where you start to, to prune when it is done we show the curing of it and then we have a competition at the end so uh, you know, a, a judge thing at the end it's pretty funny you should have been one of the judges i know it should have been on for you my brother i'll tell you i got to get out there one of these seasons i got to get out there with you uh, yeah, let's do it next season absolutely i'd love to i really would love to <laughs> well, so, have you, you know, we'll have you walking around you know going you know with Jeremy going, oh, she is, she is, she is. Yeah, you're right. Felicia doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, bring no. up a cup. Let me talk to Jeremy about uh, how we're going to change that greenhouse. <laughs> it'll, it'll be, it would be so much fun, my friend. Okay. Jeremy, if there is a particular rig or a particular system that you would recommend to people, what would it be? Um, Jeremy, that's your shot because you, you, you know. They have a forty-four thousand square foot, you know, facility that holds everything. So it it is a, it is the Walmart. You know, road generation is the Walmart of what you need to grow cannabis. Grow anything really, beef, steak, tomatoes too. So right. dumb. Um, I think from you know, I think, I think every customer is a little bit different, right? And where and where their mindset is. Some people are more science driven. Some people are really busy. They're just trying to produce, you know, medicine for themselves. Um, and I think you got to look at each individual person and, and really get a read on what is their vision? What are, what are they trying to do? And that's kind of how I, how I attack this and, and how grow generation attacks it. You know, you get, you know, a nice old lady that walks into the store and she's trying to produce her own medicine. You know, we're trying to, have this happen at a very minimal cost, right? We don't, we don't want it to affect them, you know, in their pocket to where it's, you know, now it's a struggle. You want to show people that this can be done. This can be done at an affordable rate and growing your own medicine or growing your own cannabis is, um, is, is pretty simple once you get the hang of it. Is there a learning curve? Absolutely. It's, it's agriculture, right? But I think with the right people around you and dealing with the right individuals, when that help is there and you listen, um, you you can pick it up pretty pretty quickly. What's the biggest challenge that most people will face when they try to do this for the first time for themselves? And um, I think I think the biggest challenge is is in their head, right? It's um, it's it's thinking that. It's thinking that this is so complicated. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start, right? So I think the biggest challenge is where do I start? Um, and if you can give them a starting point, then they now they kind of have a, um, a path to follow to, to get to the end point. And I, I think that's the biggest challenge is where do I start? I'm looking at all this stuff. You know, what do I need? You know, I need all of this. You guys have tons of stuff in here. No, you don't, you don't need all of this. This is, you know, there's different styles. There's different ways of growing cannabis. There's, there's, you know, different methods, different mediums, different nutrients. And there's so many ways to produce good quality cannabis. Just when we started this show, you said, how did you do in that temperature? You know, it was 115. I I, I beat you by a one degree. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it didn't kill them. These plants are so resilient that you can make a mistake 
I mean, there was one last season we brought some seeds of Santa Monica Gold, and you know, you'll understand that you know their maturing time is longer because they came from you know Colombia than ours. You know, we were done in ten weeks. These girls wanted to go fourteen weeks, and so they went into November. They got nailed with three nights of 22 degrees below, not below zero, 22 degrees. Killed them. Killed them, my doubt. And it's in, the, it's in the show, Growing Belushi, about how I, I kill another plant. Brown dead, right? I mean, not just, I mean, dead. And I was like, well, pull those little sick buds off and see what it's like. They rolled it. Smoked it. it was great. Still <laughs> fine. It was, it was, it was like <laughs> girls, they're dead and they're still delivering the medicine. So when you're a consumer and you're growing a medical plant, you're six plants that you are allowed to grow. Like Jeremy said, there are some simple starts. Soil, water, not too much. You know, the plants, watching it, loving it, really watching them. That relationship with that plant will take you to another place. But you can't screw up too bad because in the end, it's still going to work. Absolutely. And, and you'll get better and better and you'll produce and, better and better. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jim, have you developed, this is the last time we talked, you got any new products or any new strains or anything that you've been working on? Well, we have the Captain Jack strain, which we've had a very, because of the greenhouses that uh, Jeremy and GrowTech has put in, uh, the environment, because she's a very sensitive girl. It's a land race strain from the mountains you know, of uh, Masha Sharif, the bottom of the Kush Mountains. It's the Captain Jack plant that he brought over these seeds in 71 and 72. And he was the, he was the weed kind of dealer for Saturday Night Live. This was the stuff that sure. any of those guys were smoking and creating these great things. So I have that strain, which is very specific and very challenging. She's very finicky. So <laughs> we're releasing that one out. I have a um, um, these strains that I captured from uh, Columbia. Uh, we, we got a full greenhouse in this GrowTech greenhouse. They are thin, sativa, green. They're just so happy right now in this environment because we can control the humidity. They're used to tropical humidity. Right. And it's dry up in Oregon. So the first round, they, you know, so we have those strains coming. Uh, I, I, I had a byproduct of some CBD that I created uh, for my dog. And it really worked on my dog, and it's called K9, you know, K9-I-N-E, that we're going to be releasing soon. Um, we just did a blend of chocolate, hashberry, and cherry pie, the two best strains on my farm, for a uh, beautiful, you know, gram uh, joint that's uh, been very popular. So, yeah, we're always, you know, you got to constantly change now. Uh, I just been, went into uh, a great partnership with uh, this girl named Jamie at Bang Chocolate. And she is in 10 states. And so we're making a Blues Brothers chocolate because I think the new consumer, the start is with, with chocolate. 
Right. Because you can control, you know, you know this as well as anybody that people want a controlled experience. Correct. And they're afraid to try a flower. A recreatable experience. Recreatable that they know they can do. You know, you drink a beer, you know how you're going to feel. You smoke a joint, you never know until you've had experience. That, but with edibles, with chocolate, I take 2.5 milligrams of this bang chocolate and I can go to sleep. I take five milligrams in the evening, maybe to have a nice dinner and then not argue with whoever I'm with. <laughs> you know, this, Jim, I tell you, this is crazy. There was a period of time, you know, you know, four, about four years ago, five years ago, I had a pretty severe stroke and um, uh, I survived it. I 100% back from it. I, I maybe have a few you know, minor residual symptoms that are left over from it, but I had the type of stroke that literally normally kills half the people who have it. Leading up to that stroke, I will tell you that I can honestly say this. I know it's pretty much for a fact. But I, there was my my level of consumption was borderline ridiculous. Um, and you know, you know the bang bars. But what was their biggest banger? One forty. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Dude, I, I I could have a 140 for breakfast and eat another one. Oh, you would. Wait a minute, brother. I have a 140 for breakfast at lunchtime, have another 140, and still have to do a speech at 3 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, I was, yeah, I was, I was borderline ridiculous there for a little while. But, um, you know, what I found out, which is really kind of crazy, is after my stroke, my tolerance for THC went down to set, lowered by 75% immediately. And I've never really bounced back. But, you know, that's okay because now, like you, I, can, I, can, I enjoy that 10. You know, I enjoy that 10 milligrams or 5 milligrams rather than having to eat 100 to get something oh out of it. Yeah, yeah. Did and you stop consuming? Well, you know, here's what happened. I had a stroke, and it put me in the hospital for a month. And then I was in rehab for about six weeks. And during that period of time, I though I after I kind of came back to about 15 days after stroke, I started consuming a lot of CBD, uh, uh, tried to get a lot of CBDV, um, tried to get a, a lot of the other cannabinoids. Then when I went back to THC, it literally started throwing me for a loop. I mean, almost instantly. I mean, if I, I sat down, you know, probably 45 days after my stroke, with someone that had a uh, was would literally lit up what I normally would have lit up, and my 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 own product. So you know I have a product that was a uh, vape pen extract where I was using isolate and also mixing CBD back together with it and putting terpenes in it. And my <clears throat> strongest of my vape pens, which was a ninety five percent to well really about a ninety percent THC five percent CBD. Boy, the first time I took a hit of that, it knocked me on my ass. I'm telling you, I, I it, it took me by surprise because I was literally at a dinner and I went, what? Boom. And I mean, this is something I normally smoke, you know, half that vape pen, you know, in 25, 30 minutes. But I, I literally went down. And then over the course of the next month or so, I started figuring out, you know what? This really has less to do with not being titrated. It had more to do with my brain now as processing this a little bit differently than it did before the stroke. So now, you know, I, 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 
I stay with a 50-50 blend of things. Mostly it's 50-50. I, I believe that's the best. The one-to-one is, is the best. I, I believe so, too, I think. And, and you know, what we're going to start finding out, I don't know if you've seen some of it. Do you, you stay up on the recent medical peer-reviewed data that is out? Do you do you follow that? If, as soon as I get rid of the aphids and the rustic mites, then I do a little light reading. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. I, I do. I stay up. I stay up on it pretty well. Well, you saw that recently. That there's, I think, since COVID, you know, there's been about mm, twenty four studies around the world, of which twelve of them have yielded peer reviewed published documentation talking about the fact that now we are starting to really truly start to dig in deeper in some of those secondary cannabinoids, looking at things like CBDV, looking at things like, you know, THCA non-heated and looking at the way that they literally respond. And they're having amazing effect on anybody on the entire spectrum. So people who, you know, have from Asperger's to, you know, or, um, any of the spectrum disorders, they're starting to show in clinical trials using animal models how efficacious some of these other cannabinoids are when it comes to illness. Why? Because they do things to the synapses in the brain. So for me, I noticed immediately, I started recovering better from my stroke. And I I do a couple of other things, but I started recovering, I, I mean, almost like, astronomically faster when I started ensuring that I was taking in some CBD, CBDV, making sure that I had, you know, some CBG if I could get it. When I started taking that, I started noticing that, you know, boom, I kind of bounced back. And and technically, I, I really am, you know, other than if you saw my brain on a CAT scan, you would know that I had a stroke. But most of the doctors that I see can't figure out that I have ever had one. And then literally, literally I had a stroke that was the size of a stroke that normally kills 50% of the people who have it. As a matter of fact, within a month of my stroke, uh, what was it? Luke Perry had his stroke and died. Um, John Singleton had his stroke and died. They had similar strokes to mine. They were hemorrhagic, cerebellum, hemorrhagic, cerebellar hemorrhagic strokes. Killed both of them. I bounced back. And I'm, I am absolutely 100% convinced that it is, was my cannabinoid usage before the stroke and after that has really, you know, uh, been a significant part of my recovery. And that's part of what I think when I was back or go back for a second to that whole education idea is that, you know, they have looked at cannabis in Israel since 2010 as a geriatric drug. And most people in the United States don't even understand that from about 1982 to date, we were funding research in Meshulam's laboratory in Israel that helped identify things like the endocannabinoid system, helped identify what THC was, helped identify what CBD was. But now we're starting to really understand a little bit more about, you know, those possible 250 different cannabinoids that exist in this plant, you know, and, you know, to say CBD, THC, that's great. That's yesterday's conversation. We need to start today's conversation. If you want the real information, you really go to Israel because look at look at all the studies they did with like violent tendencies on the spectrum and giving them CBD and CBG. And I mean, it really acted as a um, as a, a typical Western medicine without uh, without the side effects. Right. Absolutely. And we also know that when we take a look at things like, you know, uh, uh, 
certain cannabinoids help to strangle the blood supply of tumor cells. So, and we're starting to dig deeper into that as we go. And, you know, I'm so <clears throat> heartened by the fact that, you know, when you go to California and some places you walk into a dispensary and dispensaries, maybe some of the bud tenders don't have the knowledge that they should have to even explain what they're selling, but they are now putting more products in the marketplace that have more of the minor cannabinoids included in them when you use them and even increasing them a little bit. I have a product line that's been out and I'm getting ready to relaunch it. Uh, I'm doing my CBD line out of a, with a company out of New Jersey and I will probably, you know, partner with them or have another company I'm working with to do a THC line. But I believe very strongly in combining THC with CBG, combining with CBD, you know, using some of the acid forms, putting those together, putting those back in as isolates to enhance the level. I mean, you know, most, if you, you smoke a joint now, most joints have probably less than 0.001% CBG. Well, if I can bring that CBG up to 0.1%, you don't know how impactful that 0.1% in the difference between that 0.1 and 0.001 is for cellular homeostasis. Well, just you know, that's a little. little well, you thought this out. In the show, growing Belushi, my sister-in-law Judy John's widow uh, uh, got had gotten cancer, and we 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 bring that out in the show, and she went through chemo, and I went to this woman, uh, Doctor Rachel Knox in Portland, and her and her mother uh, done. You should talk to them. I They've should. Done a lot of, oh, they, they're beautiful, beautiful women. And I brought my sister-in-law to them to discuss. They, they're very scientific about what cannabinoids affect what cancer and how these cannabinoids go in and really go to the cancer cells. Get out. You're dead. Didn't anybody tell you you're dead? Go. And she puts in a really funny word. But in the show, we, we use a full-spectrum oil. Um, and it depends on the type of cancer, which uh, strains you want to use to create that FSO. Yep. And I put her, we put her on a regimen of this full-spectrum oil. And now, at the end of the show, uh, she's cancer-free. But what I did was I brought, it was a storyline that could bring in some of the science and so but you know your producer should write this name down dr rachel knox check her oh, yeah. out on youtube she does a basic thing about endocannabinoids but she's far beyond it and they're out of portland great i'll do that i'll look for her for sure I have, yeah, I have her and the lovely the lovely ladies Absolutely. well you know i got a question for you jeremy because you know being in the industry of providing the equipment to grow you know, there's a lot of conversations right now about the fact that in several other states around the country, you know, the cannabis industry is, you know, not really paying very close attention to sustainability, not paying very close attention to consumption of natural resources. I mean, you know, several states, <clears throat> you know, you find that the cannabis industry is consuming, you know, far greater resources than any other farm product that's being grown. And we've got to go back to what Jim was saying. Let's remember that this is a weed 
that didn't necessarily need the technical punch behind it that we're getting behind it, but now we're getting such so far behind it with such a technical cadre or 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 a, a box and toolkit that we're drawing more natural resources in the growing of a weed than we really should be. And that's going to be something that this industry is going to get some pushback on in about a year or two. What are you doing to help us, you know, correct that? Well, I think when you're, no, first of all, this, this, uh, go ahead, Jeremy. I think when you're designing systems, you know, you want to design under sustainability, right? Water usage, water usage is a big deal right now. Um, you know, you're starting to see regulation of electricity, um, how many watts per square foot you can use, um, DLC certified lighting. So you're seeing these standards come across the industry um, pretty rapidly. And I think you're going to continue to see that, especially the new states that tend to come on, southern states. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more regulations and how they're growing, what they can do. Um, you know, when I'm designing facilities, it, it's different everywhere, right? So from sewage systems, what can we what can we put in the septic? What can we put back to the state? Do we have to dilute it? Um, are we, you know, sometimes regulation also makes you use a lot of natural resources. So I think it's a balance between regulation and what does cannabis really need to grow safely, right? And I think as you educate, as more of the states become more educated in what can be used and just stop just coming up with this like, nope, this is what you have to do because we said so. Um, and we start to put a panel together of, of different people who are in the industry that have been educated for a long time that can help the other states also start to learn what we need, then I think we find a balance, right? I mean, we're, taking, we're taking a look at what's going to happen here, you know, not in 10 years and 20 years, but in the next two to three years in all of the southwestern states. I mean, you know, the Colorado River is drying up. Correct. And, you know, the deals that were struck 50, 60 years ago for water distribution among states from Arizona to California and New Mexico, Colorado, these are changing overnight. There's going to probably have to, they're going to have to have a, a huge uh, summit here within the next two, three years to try to figure out what goes on right now. We're starting to see the fact that places like Arizona and others are going down, you know, what, 1900 feet and sucking up subterranean aquifers to the point that, you know, the surface level ground is dropping by 20 and 30 and 40 feet. So, yeah. you know, I, I would bet that even though we, most states looked at cannabis as a critical uh, uh, business during this pandemic, we may be one of the first that gets cut out of the loop when it comes to getting water, just because that's a way for those in power to reign power over the industry. Correct. Yeah. What's more important, food or cannabis, right? And that's what's that's what the question is going to come down to in the end in some of these states. And where we don't even recognize the fact that cannabis can be food. <laughs> because yeah. We also understand that the seeds are, you know, I, I just recently signed on with uh, a company um, out of one of only a very handful few of cannabis companies on the African continent. And, um, you know, there's uh, four out of the 57 states have legalized cannabis in Africa now. South Africa being one of them 
legalize it for growing, processing, and exportation, but not for their own use. Uh, kind of like Colombia did. Colombia. Yeah, like Colombia did. Colombia is about to change that, though, soon. I think that may happen within the next month. There. But I own a company in Colombia, and we've just kind of been staying still right now because, mm -hmm. you know, even entering the market of this oil production, and it's it's very difficult. It's it's a who-you-know game. Right. And you got to know the right people to get the right licenses to have be vertical. And I'm I'm been very well aware, but but in in places like again in Africa, you know, I'm signing with a company that literally has a million acres under contract, a million acres, but they have a million acres, you know, throughout Lesotho and South Africa, that's going to have to figure out how to win that battle on water. Correct. And the resources to be able to actually generate products. So you're in an area of the world where you may not need greenhouses as much as you're going to need controlled spacing. You may be able to continue to do some bigger outdoor growing than you would in the United States. But southwest United States, I think within the next four or five years, it's going to be, you know, one of the most expensive places in America to grow cannabis. Agreed. It's going to, you know, it's, it's going to be exponentially expensive and there's going to be fights and wars about it. And I mean, people are taking water from people's streams and no one cared before. Right. But now once the water gets low, it's like, Hey, that's my water. Yeah. So, okay. And that's what's happening right now. It's my and, water. You're, and you're seeing it. Right. So, right. you know, same thing with Africa. You know, when you talk about Africa, what do you think, what's their, what's their testing? You know, what are they, what are they held to against for standards? Because I think you're going to find that's going to be super challenging to what, operate think, at a, at a million acres. Well, I think what's going to happen in there is the fact that, you know, first off, most of the companies that are forming are non-African entities. They have partnered with African entities. So you've got, you know, Canadian companies, you have U S companies, you have some European companies who are going down there trying to take advantage of the resources of land and soil and those things. So we'll, 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 we'll have to keep a close eye on it and make sure that regulation is there. Cause I mean, that's like right now, you know, I guess, uh, you know, everybody's been looking at China and, you know, China just jumped into the hemp business, like, you know, with, you know, two yardsticks, you know, However, how clean I mean, do you, would you really consume some CBD out of China today? Hell no. No. Right. I do like that about regulation. You know, um, in Oregon, uh, these guys really want to be the safest and the most cooperative. I, I got to say, the Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Control Board, they listen to us. They listen to us, and they do work hand in hand. And, they, uh, and the testing, you know, it's again, I said at the beginning, go to dispensary, tested, 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 tested. I think the testing is the most important thing in this great regulation time that we have. Safety. I agree. I think one of the things though now that the industry should try to do is is push the regulators to understand to knock off this bullshit with sixty layers of packaging. You know, we're just filling up landfills with sixty layers of crap that's not necessary. You know, and I go to I can go to a spot <laughs> with me. I'm with you, brother. I've been down this path that you've been down, my brother. I'll tell you, with a couple of different products, 
having to figure out how to make this childproof crap. I just, oh, just the stupid. You can go one step further. How about waste in inside yeah. a facility? You know, you're taking cannabis waste. You got to dilute it by fifty percent. You got to put this. And I mean, this is non-usable, non-psychoactive parts of the plant. And they're making you jump through hoops just to get rid of waste. We could be composting this. We could be making soils. We, you know, we, we could be making bricks. We could be making batteries. I mean, I know you read recently. Well, or you know I got to say, I got to say, Oregon's very reasonable that way. And we do get to use a lot of that waste in in our mulching process. We do have a really nice cycle of what's going on in that farm. But as far as plastics and box boxing and the stuff that they make either that stuff is really it's mind-boggling we actually used to have the the garbage guy come every two weeks we just had to up it to every week it's like what are we throwing out here what is going on why is our garbage doubled you know that that would be a good segment on your show my friend i mean just to be able to point out so that the public and the masses are educated on the fact that the administrators of these programs are really killing us, you know, by, by great segment. That'd be a great segment. They are. I mean, they're killing, they're killing us with, with regulation. I mean, it's like Jim can do it in Oregon, but you can't do it in Michigan or you can't do it in mass, but you can do this in California. It's like, you know, you want a, you want a standard across the country, but right now the people who are making the standards are so uneducated. You don't want them to create a standard. Correct. No, I think it's going to take us, like I say, I think probably five to 10 years before we have a mindset that this is a favorable industry. One that people don't just want to let exist. They want to help thrive or help the industry to thrive. Once we get that mindset out of these politicians, they recognize the value. It's not like, Oh, we just had that so we get the tax dollars. No, you need this as an industry to move mankind forward. You know, again, well, go back to the right brother thing. You know what I mean? And, and we also, if we just went back to history and recognized that without hemp and cannabis, man wouldn't be where they are today. Well, you you said the you said the phrase, and I think it's really the that spiritual vortex that this relationship with this plant that's brought me and that is uh, it's a bigger you said move mankind forward and that's what this being involved with this plant has kind of reshaped me and my purpose and it's it's a i'm I'm so glad that i fell into this i'm so glad i'm so glad you did too because i think you know your voice will be one of the voices that helps to move us forward, Jim. You really, I don't, I don't even think you understand the full impact of what you're doing right now, even though you do, but I don't think you do because. Well, I'm too busy chasing the goddamn aphids and I don't really know what's going on. Gotcha. What is next? But it's true. I mean, it's, it's one reason, honestly, where I, I really like to work with Jim. I see these people in this industry, you know, that have star power and, you know, they're using it to, to profit and make money. But, you know, Jim has been completely different from meeting him. I mean, he is, he's all in, he's about this plant. He has the same mindset that I have. And I think, I really think that's, you know, what draws the connection for me. Um, I like to put myself around people when I'm working on projects that have that same mindset. And, um, you know, we're all in this together. Cannabis is here to stay, 
right? So and there, the more- and people need to understand there is so you were saying that the other people want to make money. There's we haven't even scratched the surface of the amount of money that's going to be made off of this product. Correct. Over the course of the next 20 years. I mean, when we finally recognize that we can take some of that material that they're making you, you know, uh, 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 dilute down 60 percent. And we take them those materials and we give them to another company that can burn them and turn them into. I just read an article about the fact that, you know, the the bark off of the stalks can be burned multiple times and burned down to a product that's like a graphene where we know now that the material from cannabis or from hemp has a better capability of storing electricity than graphene. So we can take a product that is lighter and make a more sustainable and better battery. So what we're putting in cars that will never go into a landfill, you could literally create a battery out of the th- what we've been throwing in landfills from waste product from cannabis. It's amazing how much money has been made just from being THC focused, right? Like if yes. you look at what cannabis is, it's what have we done? We've we've learned how to increase THC for for the masses. And there's very little people in this industry that are working with the secondary cannabinoids and really trying to figure out what they do. I think that'll change in the next couple of years as you see yes. some of these some of these licenses come out for um research and stuff like that, but uh, and I've been interviewing lots of different suppliers and providers who now are starting to recognize the viability of some of those secondary cannabinoids. And like I said, I just signed a contract with a couple of different uh, companies that literally we are going after it objectively, going after making sure that our products contain those other cannabinoids. And then we'll start to see, I think, when people start consuming that and feeling you know, a little bit different than they did using the other products, then the rest of the industry is going to jump aboard. What's next for you, Jim? What's on the horizon? Well, um, while we were talking, I just got a, a text from my uh, showrunner on Growing Belushi. He's ready to show me the first episode. So what's next for me is I got to see this episode <laughs> and uh, reshape it. And I'm nervous about it and excited about it. So my next thing is, is really launching this show in October, uh, releasing this canine brand, this bang chocolate brand. Uh, and I don't know, I'm just kind of a gypsy right now, man. I'm I'm in Chicago. I'm going to New York to put my son in the school this Friday. I'm going back to the farm. I'm going to California. I don't know, man. I got a lot of miles. <laughs> there you go, my brother. Well, I, hopefully I get out to California. I get out to that left coast. I'm, I'm gonna come out and try to, to to sit down with you at least for a few minutes, my friend. Oh, I would love that, man. I would. We would. We have a little angel cafe that we built. My cousin Chris, guy of Freddie, came and cooked there. <laughs> it was crazy. We'd serve you a beautiful lunch, and it's only got one table, but the food is free. <laughs> but the landlord is an asshole. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's all infused food, right? Uh, well, no. Great. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what. Maybe what I'll do for you when I come out there, I'll cook you an infused meal myself, brother. Ah, uh, well, there's the segment right there. There's a segment right there, my friend. <laughs> Jeremy, what's next for you, friend? Um, You know, I don't know. I'm... Uh, I'm constantly just trying to educate myself further 
Um, I think getting into right now, I've uh, just been brought into the last prisoner project. So I really want to kind of dive into that and see what grow generation can bring to the table for, you know, it's, it's, it is. Thank you for bringing that up, Jeremy. It's, it's such a rewarding thing, Jeremy. I got to tell you something. I've been working with them for the last year, and uh, you know we were were instrumental in helping to get a couple of uh, people released. And I, I uh, there's no greater, you know, hug to your heart than knowing that you did something to get somebody who was, you know, falsely imprisoned and and, and wrongly imprisoned out and get their freedom back. So thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I have my own history behind it and um, you know, it's, it's something that really resonates with me. I wanted to do something outside of just building grows and showing people how to make a lot of money. Right. Cause that's kind of the, the bottom line where people are with these investors and really putting my time into something else that could possibly mean something. And I think working behind grow generation and using them as a platform Um, And, you know, we are involved with the majority of the large cultivators across the country. Right. And if if we can educate them where we came from, how we got there and why they're sitting in the chair they're sitting today, um, hopefully we we can pull some dollars out of them and get them to donate and um, hope let them see this cause. You know, it's. I really hope it works. And I think, you know, when you ask me what's next for me, you know, I want to put a lot of focus in, in, into that. And and I really, I really hope that this platform that Grow Generation has allows me to do that. Well, speaking of that, Montel, you know, at the MJ Unpacked convention in October, also along with the MJ Biz, um, Danny Aykroyd, and the Blues Brothers, we're going to be at the House of Blues on the 21st. And it is a benefit for the Last Prisoners Project. Which, By the way, Grogen has been very generous in supporting this event. And everybody is invited. And you got to go to the uh, MJ Impact website to get the tickets. It's limited. But uh, I think we're, we're going to raise a lot of money for it. Steve's going to be there. Steve D'Angelo and... We try to do what we can to keep this awareness alive, and uh, and then, by the way, we're having great success. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Louisiana man just dropped some great, great news down there, and letting people go. And you know, that was the state that really started this whole thing. You know, I know, right? Well, I tell you, guys, I can't say thank you enough. Or you're going to look at your watches and go, holy moly, we went that long. Yeah, we did go that long. Thank you so much for sharing your time and sharing yourselves with my viewers. They're going to love this, you know, and um, I wish you nothing but the best. And I hope that you stay safe and stay well. Thank, Thank you, my you. friend. Thank you, man. It's always good to see you. It's always good to see you. I'm trying. I, I put, hold me to it, my brother. I will come out and I will cook an infused meal for you. You are welcome. You are welcome. And the cafe will be running. We even have a cappuccino maker. So Ooh, there you go. There you go. Don't love the property. But you did say the proprietor was an asshole, but that's all right. Uh, well, and by the way, Chris, my cousin, you know, who's doing the cooking, he, he always complains to the side. He goes, the landlord is an asshole. He <laughs> 
eat for free and he never leaves. <laughs> he, he softens up. He softens up. There you so. go. Well, thank you, guys. <laughs> and thank you for tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thank you.